things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Nico, are you on the couch with a cup of coffee? Good morning. I'm um, on the couch, but polished the coffee already. <laughs> you polished the coffee. So yes, I'll make one a little bit later again. But yes, you know, if I get up nice and early, I can't hold out um, that long. So um, I've had a good <laughs> coffee and I'm ready to go. So you're going to be talking about an amazing car. Well, it looks amazing. I can't tell you. But before you get there, um, Colin just said, Nico, tomorrow sees the swan song of Dr. Valentino Rossi. He's the last of the two-stroke era world champions to have won on asphalt. And he still dominates uh, the extreme enduro discipline. Now, for those of us who know nothing about cars, what does that mean? Well, um, if you know nothing about cars, that'll be great because, of course, Valentino Rossi is a motorbike rider. <laughs> MotoGP. <laughs> So it wouldn't really matter <laughs> because it has nothing to do with cars. <laughs> but if you, of course, sure. if you're a motor, if you're a motor GP fan or you're, you're a fan of two wheels, then you'll really be, you know, um, definitely. Um, we, we always in every year there are riders that, are, that do well, and uh, we have champions every year. Uh, and there's always um, riders that, and like with racing, race car drivers also that stand out. I was like Senna, for instance, and that I think is, is is what Rossi is. I mean, he is still, you know, he's been around with MotoGP. I don't know how many years now, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely a legend. So definitely somebody that, you know, I think what what made him interesting was always his his, his entertaining way of doing things. So if you just go have a look at some of the funny and entertaining things he did, um, I think that was part of the fact that he not only dominated the sport, but he also had personality and character. You know, some 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 riders are better than others. Some seem a little bit more boring and he was really quite interesting so yes i would agree what an amazing legend um but talking about motor gp of course we've got brad binder and yes, next year we'll right. also have his brother darren there so um that's great for motorsport you know south african motorsport i think mean, currently going quite well with the funder linda brothers doing well in dtm um, the binders in motor gp all we now need is maybe a Smith in Formula One and we'd be there. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, and I see that some of the Formula One guys are, are being uh, investigated for breaking some of the rules or may not, they may have broken the rules. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I was obviously, uh, and I'm not going to miss Formula One at all. So, um, so DRS, when you're driving Formula One, um, because the car's aerodynamics um, really disrupt the airflow, so it's difficult to follow behind the cars. They had this, which I think is very artificial, but a way of overtaking. So the rear wing creates drag. drag. In other words, it or downforce, it pushes you down the road. But if you want to pass, if you open that wing, then your top speed when you're going in a straight line is faster. Um, and there's a certain gap allowed. In other words, when you, you can see if they're passing the guy behind, if you watch the back wing, you'll see it suddenly opens up so that you have less drag and you can overtake. But there's a certain gap which that must have. Um, otherwise, effectively on the straights will be faster. Um, and it seems that um, the, the prescribed um, opening for, um, for, for um, um, Hamilton's car is a little bit more than, than it's, it's supposed to have. So hmm. I said, I read the stewards are going to look at it again this morning. So let's see what happens. Of course, today's interesting is three races. This is the last one where there's actually a sprint race. In other words, they had qualifying last night. Um, this evening, they'll have a short race. Um, which, of course, the winner will then, this, the sprint race will then decide tomorrow's Grand Prix pole, uh, pole uh, position. In other words, we end in a sprint race, 
is where you will start the Grand Prix for tomorrow. So, Nico, before we go into uh, your car, um, mm-hmm. just a voice note for you uh, that uh, we'd like to just get through. We have held it over from last week as well, and uh, we just wanted to send it through to you. Okay. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you so much for a good show on a nice Saturday. Uh, this is James here in Cape Town. I've got a Toyota Camry 2006 model, the Australian make, and I'm the second owner of the vehicle and I've had it for about seven years now. The vehicle is very sound, very solid, sparkling, very good in performance. I never had any problems with it except for minor things like service and all that. Uh, about two years ago, I started Uh, noticing the vehicle consuming a lot more oil than normal and I can I can say in the past three months I've had to put like five liters of oil as top-ups is that normal what could be the problem maybe someone listening to this audio can help me thank you so much okay wow surely that's a lot I mean yeah I I need to say um, five liters of oil you know what I would say um, was a little bit worrying or that you should check? As normally cars, you know, they have a certain, uh, eventually they, they have a consistent amount of oil that they use. Uh, and if it's suddenly the oil usage goes up, then something must be wrong. Five liters, but I'm not sure how many kilometers you've driven. But if you put in five liters, um, and suddenly there's a lot more oil usage. Then something has to be checked out. So, um, of course, you could start with um, a Toyota dealership if you have one close by. Um, that would be a great start. Maybe they know something. Um, you could, could be also... a leak, hey? You should just check under your car and see if there's oil on the floor. Yeah, I think you, I, I would probably sure say James you would have probably that. checked. I'm sure he would have checked if there's a leak, you know. So it could be that some of the oil, of course, is getting um, uh, into the cylinders um, and being burned uh, away. That it, it could be a few things, Michelle. So I, I would say just have a, have a check out, of course, if the car's smoking, that's an indication that there's issues. If the car seems the, the same drive and say nothing's changed, of course, as you said, no oil underneath, um, then um, you, you should definitely have it checked out. I'm not sure what the reason is, but of course, oil is like blood. So the car without oil is really not going to die soon. So you need to really have that checked out. Uh, as I said, I would start with um, Toyota. What if you have somebody that services the car regularly, they can check it out as well, just to get an indication of what it could be. What could be wrong? But I don't know. I don't know. There's too many things for me to speculate. So I, I don't know what could be wrong. It's just the best to have it checked out because it seems to be consistent. I mean, the 2006 Camry, um, this, you know, these cars will last forever if you look after them. That's my feeling always. And you service them all the time. Yeah. They should do a million Ks. But and if suddenly the oil usage goes up by a lot, then there's an issue. And as James says, it's in sparkling condition. Oh, it sounds lovely. So, so Nico, we're staying with Toyotas, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about the car you're going to. Well, so you, you gave me some homework last week um, to say, please go have a look at the Toyota Corolla Cross, which is exactly what I did. Um, so, of course, um, uh, manufacturers want to look at markets and say, okay, where are we quite successful? If you look at the Corolla, by the way, it's the world's most successful car um, having had 12 generation, generations or models, effectively, and they've sold over 50 million car Toyota Corollas since the start um, in 1966. So this is effectively saying, okay, we have a Corolla. The Corolla is quite successful. The hatch is quite successful. Why don't we take it and um, take that same platform and effectively make an SUV? So we, we can lift the car a little bit higher and add a bit more practicality to it. And that's really effectively what the Corolla Cross is. If you're a Corolla driver, 
um, and you climb inside, you'll immediately be comfortably say, hang on, but this is actually a Corolla inside because what they've done is they've taken a Corolla to make an SUV. And of course, in South Africa, especially the SUV market is quite popular. Um, if you go, like to go away a little bit where the roads aren't great, you need a car that's a little bit higher. This is also something to consider. So on the outside, of course, first thing you, uh, you, you'll notice is this big Toyota grill and then with headlights that sort of elongated headlights that run straight into that grill and, and then nice design details on the front. You have black wheel arches sort of, you know, looking at as part of this SUV look. And at the back, you have trapezoidal uh, rear lights. Um, and again, with black, so the black details all around the car, so around the wheel arches, around the panels at the bottom, and again around the bumper. So that's sort of a nice offset with the rest of the car. Uh, maybe also hints in a little bit that this is an, uh, more of an SUV or off-road type vehicle. So okay. What do you think of the styling? What I'm, does it look I'm, like to you? I'm just looking at the styling now, and I, I think it's actually quite a nice-looking car. It definitely is a nice, especially you know a lot of these things at time as well. You want to see a car in the flesh or in the metal, as they say. Yeah. Um, so in the metal as well, I think it's a good-looking car. Um, yeah. And and the same with the inside. When you climb inside, it's well laid out. You know, it's, you climb in, and every, immediately it's very clear what's going on and where to find all the switch gear. So it's not a, a car where you wonder where that function would be. Again, it's very the Toyota-like in that sense. So digital display in front of the driver controls on the steering wheel, a nice big infotainment system, um, angled a little bit away from the driver, but um, it's you know still clear for everybody inside. Uh, and then also below that is the climate control system. We you know So climate control is also a function I quite like. And then, of course, the infotainment system having the normal touch function with things like car play available as well. So, um, um, yeah, I would say the interior, a nice place to be. And also, I have a feeling of a lot of space. So when I sat inside... It feels like there's a lot of head space at the back. Space is pretty good. And then what impressed me is the boot um, is actually quite big. Um, I mean, if you open it up, it looks like, you know, you can, it can swallow a lot of luggage. So people with small kids, that's something that they're looking for is space. What about that word swallow? It just makes me think of like um, the cookie monster or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going, give me more, give me more. And give it's exactly more. that. But it's, it's quite big, um, the, the boot space. And of course, being an SUV, um, there's a cover to pull over, but you can actually pack it all the way to the roof. So yeah. you know, that helps definitely with the practicality in the car. You know what I like about it? The price. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, shall we leave the price to the end? Or shall we yeah, oh, let's let's, we'll it. leave it to the end because it's the may well be the best part of this car, though I'm sure there's lots of other agree. things. Did I would you? agree. So it, it, has, it has three specifications. Okay, let's talk about the engine. So the engine yeah. is a one. There's actually two versions. Um, I would love to actually drive the hybrid because that's, I think, the one that's interesting. But there's a 1.8 liter with 103 kilowatts yeah. um, and 173 newtons. So normally aspirated engines. So this is maybe one thing where the competitors um, have a bit of a benefit. You know, it's, it's a lot of power, but it's, you know, it's a car that you've you got to rev a little bit more because some of the competitors are turbo cars. And especially in Gauteng, with altitude, that, that turbo helps initially with getting the car away. Although not that the car is a slouch at all. You know, the performance is pretty good. It's made it to a, a CVT gearbox, continuous variable transmission. In other words, in reality, the car doesn't have any gears. And effectively, the, the changes are quite smooth. So like any CVT, what feels a little bit more strange is when you floor the accelerator because the revs would stay at one spot, um, you know, and it groans a little bit as the car accelerates. But on everyday driving, it's really very smooth and relaxed. The hybrid, as I said, I would love to drive that because that's similar to what you have in a Prius. So in the case of the hybrid, it has a slightly 
less powerful, interestingly enough, um, 1.8 engine with 72 kilowatts and 142 newtons. But it also has an electric motor with 53 kilowatts and 163 newtons. So the total output is now 90 kilowatts. So how that basically works, the hybrid, um, is that uh, it has the normal petrol engine, and then it has a small battery in the boot area, and it has an electric motor. So at, when you're braking, that energy goes into the battery. So when you then would pull away with the hybrid, when you start, it actually starts with the electric motor only. So electric motor, having energy in the battery, starts to uh, drive the car. You pull away with that electric motor. And then after a short while, the internal combustion engine starts and you then drive with the internal combustion engine. And of course, they could work together as well. So if you accelerate hard, you'll have the petrol engine and the electric motor working together to give you great acceleration. So the big benefit here is that the Euro say fuel consumption for the hybrid is 4.3 liters per 100 kilometers. So that's actually quite impressive, you know, for a car that, uh, you know, an SUV vehicle. Wow. I'm starting to get very excited about this car. Nico, we do have to go to a break. I'd love to okay. you to talk about the interior as well. Um, okay. I mean, one always thinks of um, Toyota as being quite utilitarian, and yet uh, this does look very comfortable and solid. So we'll come back from the break, and you can chat to that. At SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM. 10 to 9, we're chatting to our petrol head, Nico. He's uh, on the couch. He's had his coffee. He'll have another one a bit later. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about the Toyota, the Corolla Cross hybrid. Um, it just sounds, in general, like a pre- pretty fabulous car. Hey? I think, you know, as you said, and we'll talk about the price in a second. I think that's what puts it apart. But let's just quickly talk about the spec first. You get a 1.8 XI then an XS or an XR. In other words, the specification, XI being entry-level, XS a bit more, and XR being the top end. So standard is things like keyless entry, um, uh, um, exterior mirrors that can fold, LED rear lights. Then if you go to the XS, that now has front fog lamps and LED headlights, a standard plus park distance control and reverse camera. Um, So look, most cars, probably the XS would be, I think, the one to go for. And then... Nico? Oh, it seems to me that we've lost Nico. This is absolutely tragic. We're going to try and get him on the line. Um, oh, Nico, you're back again. Yes, I, I didn't move. How did you lose me? <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I, and then, like, all the screens went down here for a while as well. So maybe there's a Grinch. Maybe. Oh, okay. We know who to blame. No, um, we're not blaming them anymore. We're like just moving on. Okay. Okay. So, so um, <laughs> the <laughs> so the XR gets nice eighteen-inch alloy wheels, um, and then um, uh, partial leather inside, and then with XR models what do we as well. Mean which by I, partial leather? I saw that it had little star. It yeah. So the partial, partial leather, leather, a lot of the time, um, although the whole seat looks like leather, it might be that where you're sitting is leather, but the side panels are not real leather. In other words, it might be some sort of man-made material, which actually wears better, by the way. Um, so so you, if you look at the seats, you might just look at them as leather seats, although partially, a lot of the time, and some of the manufacturers, it's not actually, everything is leather. Um, what I like about the, the XR models, is they have a, a system called um, Safety Sense. So that's adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitoring, lane trace control, and pre-collision system. In other words, something that Will, will break for you, a cruise control that breaks for you, something that warns you about cars in the blind spot, something that stays, keeps you in the lane. And if a car jumps in front of you, the car will break. So I think that's quite cool for the XR models. Yeah. 
So let's look at the pricing because you said, okay, let's, you know, because that's quite a, a, a big feature. The XI starts at 349,900. Um, the XS is 390,000. Uh, 390, the XR425. And the hybrid X is 413. And the hybrid XR448. So at, at 4, 349, you know, entry points into the market, actually, I think is exactly that. That's where the strength is. If you look at the size of vehicle versus the price, and it's going to have a big benefit against cars. You know, this segment is actually dominated um, by the Volkswagen T-Cross. Um, so the T-Cross um, is really um, taking a polo and, uh, you know, having made an SUV of that. I, I really like the T-Cross quite a lot. Um, the T-Cross engine is pretty good, but the benefit of the Corolla, yeah, would be more space and more boot space. I mean, big thing where the benefit of the Corolla is it does feel like a, a bigger vehicle and it has more boot space. Of course, another competitor would be a car like the Hyundai Venue and even the Ford EcoSports. And again, these are slightly smaller cars in the segment. So um, you know, somebody with a family that also needs boot space, this is where the strength of the Corolla Cross lies, um, the fact that it, it's a, a slightly bigger vehicle than some of the competitors. So, I mean, the XR, the most expensive one, is not that expensive. No, if you look at 448, exactly. If you, if you consider something like a RAV, the RAV, you know, being even bigger, um, if you remember the Toyota ad. Um, you sound like a Nike ad, fun, fun. Yeah, maybe that wasn't that funny. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, the one people go for probably would be the XS um, or the XR. Um, I, I think the XS normally is just for, for what you get in the car, um, but, uh, you know, at 390. But even, as I said, the XI at 349 really makes a lot of sense for somebody that wants a new car, and, and has a family and that needs some, some packing space as well. So definitely worthwhile having a look at the Corolla Cross, um, you know, at your Toyota dealer. I think they'll, you know, uh, as we know with the market, you know, the uh, market chip or what's the right word, uh, shorties right now, of course, cars, there is not normally huge amounts of cars. But I think there's quite a few on the floors at your Toyota dealership. So you can go have a look. Nico, um so you've mentioned some of the competitors. Who would you say is the most obvious competitor against this car? Yeah, you know, definitely, um, as I said, the, the, I think the T-Cross is probably the most obvious competitor, and it does really well, but slightly smaller when it comes to practicality. Um, this car is slightly bigger, so definitely, the, you know, benefit, especially for, for, for bigger people and, and, and people that need some boot space. I think definitely worth a consideration. There's something else I want to move on. I want to tell you about quickly. Yeah. Is um, a level three autonomous driving. I'm, I'm not sure if that floats your boat or gets you excited, Michelle. I don't even um, know what that is. Okay. Level so, three. Auto- yeah. I mean, I know what autonomous driving is, but what's level three apart uh, from? Like, <laughs> and, and two up. Apart from two up from one. Or actually, yeah. we started level zero, by the way. Yeah. So um, um, the German manufacturers were all sort of saying, "Oh, we're going to have level three. And we're actually all over the world manufacturers. Um, want to say they're the first to have level three. Level three autonomous, you know, we already have certain, we already currently have level two autonomous driving. In other words, um, like I said, with the Corolla, that's what the Corolla has. When, when I'm driving, the car can brake, accelerate, and steer for me, but I'm always in control. I'm holding the steering wheel. I'm, I'm monitoring the road. The car is helping me. Level three um, effectively is an eyes-off system. In other words, in certain conditions, you can now relax a little bit. You can actually, um, if you wanted to, check your WhatsApps uh, or uh, watch a movie in the car if you wanted to, or I guess even read a, a, a book. Um, and that's actually now, Honda's actually introduced that 
um, on the Honda Legend. So only in Japan, they call it Honda Sensing Elite on the Legend. So the Legend, think of it as a, as a, as a big, luxurious Honda, so sort of the biggest in the range. Uh, and this function now, actually, Honda says, in certain conditions, the car will tell you, okay, things are good to go. Um, and you can then, but, um, and they actually, Honda says in their material, you're free now to use the, the screen for entertainment purposes. So really what it means is that in, in certain cases in, in, in Japan now, the car will drive for you. So it can change lanes on its own. Uh, if there's a car in front, it can actually pass the car, or you can tell it when to pass by just indicating, and then it'll take over the whole maneuver for you. So it actually can now um, really drive for you, and as I said, in certain conditions, it will take over the driving. You can um, um, then effectively, you, don't, you need to be ready to help at any time. Um, as soon as the car says take over steering, you need to be ready to do that. And what's interesting as well is that it, you, to do this, it uses two cameras in the front, or two cameras in the front. Um, it has a total of five LIDAR sensors and five radar sensors. LIDAR, radar is metal. So radar is used to see cars, you know, again, let's take the Corolla. Um, that, that radar cruise control actually uses, well, radar sees metal. Um, and LIDAR does the same thing, it sees cars, but it uses light. And, LiDAR is very, very effective um, uh, and, and sees a much better picture. So the camera, the radar, and the, uh, the LiDAR together give you a very clear indication of what's happening around you because there's three radars looking forward and two LiDARs and three LiDARs looking backwards and two radars. So there's actually, if you just look on the internet, you'll find a nice video on this, which is actually quite cool. So I find it quite interesting that there's now a level three autonomous car available for the first time in Japan. Um, so it's big in Japan, and hopefully it'll come to other countries too. Um, but, you know, there's still legislation in certain countries that make it tricky because let's say the car is in autonomous mode and there's an accident, then technically the manufacturer is at fault because they had control of the car and not the driver. So that's always, I think, the tricky one that other manufacturers have sort of stood back a little bit because what's the liability? Who's at fault in an accident? Is it the manufacturer because the car was driving? Or was it the driver because he didn't take over control? Right. Okay. I just want to, another message that came through that I think is worth, uh, uh, Juno Jove says, I had the same problem with a Camry, and it turned out that the cylinder oil, it was the cylinders, oil was slipping into the cylinders, and thus it was guzzling. A good Toyota mm. dealer should be able to correct it. So, James, exactly. I hope, um, I hope that uh, you heard that and that that helps you out. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Toyota, again, as I said, you know, from the start, Toyota will fix it quite easily. It's not an issue. So um, it's simply a case of going there. This is there. not a huge cost for James. No, well, <laughs> I don't know. Let's not, I don't know what the cost would be. Uh, and again, also even a huge cost depends on, on, you know, what you and I would spend. But mm. it's something to just go there and ask them for a quote and say, you know what? It's using oil. What do you think it is and what will it roughly cost? Um, and yeah. then you get a good indication. But you, you've got to, you know, you've got to fix this. Mm-hmm. This is not, I would I'd say, something I would leave and leave and leave. Anyway, you're spending a lot of oil and frustration. So it's something that I would look at because, you know, once it's fixed, there's no reason why that Camry can't go to 2036. Sure. Or as you said, a million kilometers. Nico, yeah. always good to chat to you. We love it. It's nine o'clock. Time for the news. Good morning.